on-demand coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a Monday edition of the PFT PM Podcast. And yes, I am not really on vacation. My life is a vacation. No PFT Live for the next four weeks. I have five weeks of paid vacations, part of what I negotiated when I started the show back in 2016, January-ish, February-ish, whenever we started, used to be 12 to 3 Eastern. 2017, was it 2017 that it moved to 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern? No, my, my, I'm, my rods and cones are all screwed up. We started doing radio in 2015, 12 to 3 Eastern. 2016, right after the Super Bowl, is when it slid to the 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern slot. The simulcast on NBCSN began not long after that. Sims joined the party in 2017. But part of the deal has been four up to five weeks off paid for radio. And I think I can take another five weeks unpaid if I wanted to or something ridiculous like that. But I'm not giving up any money, folks. And then the normal NBCSN hiatus because of the Tour de France and there's really not a whole lot going on but then today comes along and there's a decent amount going on so PFTPM is here to give you what you need to know about everything that's happening in the National Football League interview with running back James Conner the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up momentarily I'll answer some of your questions it is the 10 year anniversary of the relationship between PFT and NBC July 1, 2009. It was a gradual process. I really did not want to do it. I've said that before. Wanted to scare Rick Cordella of NBC away. Tried the George Costanza. I must have final say over anything and everything, thinking there was no way NBC could ever agree to let some dude who is operating out of his basement in West Virginia while practicing law full-time write whatever he wants to write with no editorial restrictor plate. And then the moment Rick said, oh yeah, we got no problem with that. That's when I knew that eventually I was going to get roped into this because it made sense. We were getting to the point where we were growing beyond the point of our technical capabilities. So what I was going to have to do was either make a huge capital investment in order to continue to operate independently. At the time, our major sponsor was Sprint. We picked up dribs and drabs elsewhere. And when Sprint came along in 2006, we deluded ourselves into thinking that there would be others like it. It was just a matter of time before Budweiser and Pepsi and Reebok and whoever was paying an amount similar to what Sprint was paying to be the primary sponsor of the website. We had different ways we could present it. And that was all possible. We were on the brink of considering options for hiring someone who would sell advertising, somebody based in New York, somebody who'd be operating on commission and who would then be responsible for populating the site with ads. But that, although doesn't necessarily run into a significant out-of-pocket expense, you have to be prepared to give up a large chunk of what you otherwise would make. So that was all the alternative to what we eventually did. And... If I recall correctly, and again, it's been 10 years, we kind of ran all of our options down the rabbit hole, and it became clear that the right one was NBC. 
So deal was signed May 22. No, deal was negotiated May 22, signed June 8, effective July 1, and 10 years later, here we are. I don't know where we go from here. We just keep doing what we do. That's been my objective from the day that we started this thing. My objective from the moment that we started making money. My objective from the moment that we got connected to NBC. Just do what we do. Just do what you do. Create the destination that you would be a customer of and move forward. And we do. And there are plenty of other options out there. There's plenty of competition. There's plenty of places where you can fork over your hard-earned money. We've been free. We always will be free. And uh, we're with NBC indefinitely. And as long as it works for them, and as long as it works for us, we keep doing it. And it's obviously worked for us from day one, and I assume it's also worked for them. I've never heard that it isn't working for them. I'm sure that if they got to a point where they concluded, you know, this just doesn't work for us anymore, then, then once the contract ran its course, it would be time to move on. But I think that we've been providing excellent content and coverage of the National Football League, a compliment to the presence of NBC Sunday Night Football. And I think we make money and they make money. I don't know how much money they make, but I'm assuming they make money. I assume they wouldn't do it if they weren't making money. And see, what I originally wanted to do was like a revenue share with NBC where we would split what we bring in but it became obvious that there's no way to to account with specificity how much is actually being generated by us because what happens is you do deals that are global that you know somebody shows up and and buys ads for Sunday night football and football night in America and part of what what they get is impressions or video ads that end up on NBCSports.com and some of that comes our way and how do you actually figure out how much comes our way and how much would the revenue share be and it's just impossible and that's the other thing too I think it's impossible to define with any specificity how much money we're actually responsible for because you could play accounting I don't want to say tricks because that sounds pejorative but you can creatively pigeonhole dollars here there and everywhere because the bottom line is we're helping serve impressions that support the ads that they've sold as part of these big packages, whether it's video ads, the ones that run before the VOD content that you see throughout the website now, whether it's the little pop-ups that you see. And, you know, we don't get many complaints from people about the presence of the advertising, and I appreciate that. I think people understand that for free content, you have to tolerate that. You got two options. You can either pay and not have to worry about that, or you get free content, and so you have to sit through a 15-second ad from time to time, or you have to deal with an ad popping up. And you know what? You see, Advertising works. You see it, you become aware of it. That's how it works. We are very susceptible to advertising as a species. We see it, we think about it. It works. Somebody tells me about Lucky Charms, I want Lucky Charms. Somebody tells me about Pop-Tarts, I want Pop-Tarts. It just works that way. It's about brand awareness, but it's also about just planting that seed that gets people interested in, whether they realize it or not, the product involved. So, 10 years later, here we are. 
thank you very much to Rick and everybody else at NBC. I posted something early this morning and named some of the folks who have been instrumental in what we've been able to accomplish, and off we have gone. And it it has been a fun 10 rides or a fun 10 years. A fun one ride over 10 years. Boy, it's a good thing I wasn't on TV and radio today. I would have been worse than usual. A fun 10 years, a fun single ride that has been uninterrupted that hopefully will continue to be uninterrupted well into the future. Ezekiel Elliott has not had an uninterrupted NFL career. How do you like that transition? That was not planned. Sometimes I just pull stuff out of my rear end that works, and most times I don't. Anyway, Ezekiel Elliott had a six-game suspension back in 2017 for violating the personal conduct policy. And we may agree, as I do, with the quality of the investigation that was performed. We may disagree, as I do, with the fairness of the in-house judicial process that resulted in Elliott being suspended and not having a fair opportunity to challenge the suspension because the domestic violence accuser who was interviewed no fewer than six times by the NFL when it was time to have an actual hearing, oh, well, we have no jurisdiction over her. We can't compel her to show up and testify. Did you ask her? Well, no, 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 we didn't ask her, but we have no power to make her show up. Well, okay, how am I supposed to test what she's alleging, accusing me of. My ability to earn is being taken away for six weeks, six out of 17 weeks that I get paid. And, and now I, I can't, I, I can't confront and question the person who accuses me of wrongdoing that you've chosen to believe over me, even though one of your investigators who was involved in interviewing this person thinks I shouldn't be suspended. There was a lot wrong with that picture. But the end result was a six-week suspension. It was a matter of litigation in court. Elliott managed to delay the suspension for a while. Ultimately, the NFL won. Then Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, went after the commissioner because Jerry Jones was led to believe there'd be no suspension. Jerry Jones was trying to stop the commissioner from getting his new contract. Papa John got involved in the process and ultimately paid paid for it with his involvement in the company that he found. It's kind of sad. I don't know how much else went into Papa John being run off by his company, but that decision to, to use his, his corporate presence as a platform for taking shots at the NFL's commissioner did not help and may have very well greased the skids for Papa John to be on the outs. Remember, he had filed some lawsuits and was trying to keep his... It just it all fell apart. So, the NFL, from their perspective, Roger Goodell, from his perspective, may have some hard feelings about what went down two years ago, and now here's the opportunity for revenge. Plain and simple. This guy who forced me to suspend him because of his misconduct, even though the investigation was poorly done and the in-house proceedings were not fair to Elliot. The bottom line is he was suspended. The bottom line is he fought. The bottom line is Ezekiel Elliot in 2017 created a major pain in the ass for the commissioner. So now he's back. And we've seen the video. If you haven't, it's easy to find the TMZ video of Ezekiel Elliott at a music festival in Las Vegas, where he gets in the face of a 19 year old security guard. The security guard ends up on the ground Elliot was menacing and intimidating and walked toward him. And, and if you watch it, there's a little bit of a right elbow 
kind of popping out that may or may not have knocked the kid down. The kid says he was shoved. And for all we know, he was interviewed by the NFL. The NFL immediately sought the video, according to reports that emerged several weeks ago. So now, Elliot is summoned to the principal's office. Tyreek Hill hasn't been brought to New York yet, but Ezekiel Elliott's going to be there. And he meets with the commissioner on Tuesday. And I have a feeling this is not going to end well for Elliott. If they thought this was nothing, if they thought this was no big deal, he would not be in Manhattan right now preparing for a meeting with the commissioner on Tuesday. Usually the meeting with the commissioner is the precursor to some sort of discipline. And because he's been disciplined before and because the whole concept of repeat offender has been baked into the personal conduct policy. Look, in 2014, they beefed it up from the perspective of domestic violence. In 2007, when Pac-Man Jones and Chris Henry were suspended a full season and eight games respectively under the personal conduct policy, it was because of repeat occurrences. Even though Jones, I don't think at the time, had ever gone to jail. It was too many incidents. And I remember the commissioner telling me, I think it was in connection with the 2010 preseason magazine that we did for NBC. The commissioner said, look, We'll go with one, uh, right place at wrong time once. But once it starts happening on multiple occasions, sooner or later, you are going to be found responsible for the, the situation, even if you never are put in jail, even if you never are formally charged. Too many encounters with police is a bad look for the NFL, and you'll eventually be suspended. And we know that they'll suspend players even if they're never arrested or charged. So that's what's up with Ezekiel Elliott. And see, he's a repeat offender in the eyes of the NFL. Tyree Kill isn't. Tyree Kill has an incident, a horrible incident, a despicable incident from his past that happened before he was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs that will be an aggravating factor if and when there's a personal conduct policy violation. But until that happens... He's a first-time offender, which means he won't be in line for the same kind of enhanced penalties as Ezekiel Elliott would get. Now, now, good luck placating Cowboys fans. If Tyreek Hill ends up being suspended four games for everything that has been thrown out there, and some of it we know about, the threat that was made against Crystal Espinal, you need to be terrified of me too, that's not good and I think at a minimum he's going to get a four game suspension because of that nobody knows what's going to happen but I think at a minimum he gets four games for that the conditions that resulted in his child being removed from the home whatever discipline was imposed by him on the child that may have crossed the line there are other bases out there for more but it could be that Elliot because of his history ends up getting a stiffer punishment than Hill we just don't know at this point throw on top of it the sense that maybe the NFL has decided to pull back on this aggressive approach to guys who haven't been arrested or charged, I don't know that that's going to continue, especially now that Elliott is back on the radar screen and Hill is on the radar screen. And now Kareem Hunt back on the radar screen. There have been multiple accounts out there that something went down with Kareem Hunt over the weekend at a bar, downtown Cleveland bar that happened sometime late Saturday outside the Barley House on West 6th Street. Cell phone video obtained by TMZ shows Hill or Hunt rather being questioned by Cleveland police officers. So there's something going on with Hunt and Hunt's a repeat offender.
Hunt's going to serve a suspension to start the first eight games of this season. He's he's in in uh, in jeopardy of something more. And now you know why the Browns refuse to trade Duke Johnson. They ultimately may need him for the full year. Ultimately may need him beyond. And here's the other thing too. Whatever arrangement Hunt has been placed on by the Browns, if it's a one false move type of thing, this may be enough of a false move that they say, get on down the road. And there was no one else that was seriously interested in Maybe the Bears, maybe Matt Nagy, the coach of the Bears, and Hunt have a connection back to Kansas City. But the Browns were the only one that signed him. Obviously, only one team can sign him. But it, it took a while, and this may be the kind of thing that, that shows that, that Hunt really hasn't hasn't uh, shown the kind of, of growth that that uh, that he needs. I, I don't know. It's still early on, but this may not be good for Kareem Hunt. So we may be talking more about him during the hiatus and beyond. Plenty of other things happening. Some XFL news. Good time for the XFL to try to capture the spotlight because nothing's happening in the NFL. This thing about the multiple forward passes, we had written about it weeks ago, but because it was happening while other things were happening in the NFL, it didn't get much traction. The overtime idea, that's going to get some traction now. It, it's it been out there for a while. This is a great time for the XFL to fill that vacuum, to fill that void. And the thing to watch, the way that it could affect the NFL, and I mentioned this before, but keep an eye on it, They're intent to go after guys who get cut at the quarterback position. When teams go from four down to two, those two guys per team that get cut are going to be targets for being signed by the XFL and being held by the XFL, not being allowed to jump back into the NFL when somebody calls and says, hey, my my, my starter's injured and we need to backfill the depth chart. Can you come sign a contract and serve as the backup to the guy who's the new starter? No, no. Once these guys sign with the XFL, they are all in for the XFL. They're going to be involved in the promotion. They're going to be taken out of the pool. The pool of of second-tier quarterbacks who eventually find their way back to the NFL. The latest indication, whoever loses the backup competition in Seattle between Geno Smith and Paxton Lynch, that guy ends up potentially being the quarterback of an XFL team. So keep an eye on that. Guys like Ryan Mallett trying to get into the XFL. But see, the XFL's attitude, for anybody who's not currently on an NFL roster at the quarterback position, why do we want to commit to this guy when guys who are currently deemed to be good enough to be on NFL rosters are available for us to be signed? Now, I've said this before as it relates to Johnny Manziel. He's got star power. That's why you sign him over the loser of the Geno Smith-Paxton-Lynch competition. That's a no-brainer. But the XFL is going to be interesting I still do not believe that spring football is going to work. I still don't believe it, but I'm rooting for it to work. How about the photos of Gronk looking very, very svelte? Not his 268 pounds. Looking pliable. See, if if his body changes to the point where he can't, even if he wants to, decide in October I'm going to go back and play then the decision's already been made I've been a believer that Gronk is going to wake up one day during the season and say I miss this I want to get back in but 
if he's not physically able at that point to get back in, if he's in a position where he'd have to gain, I don't know, 30 pounds quickly, how do you do that? So I'm starting to think maybe he won't be there. I'm starting to think even if he does get that itch, he's going to realize he's going to have to postpone his planned return until 2020, even if that's what he wants to do. Now, I'm surprised he's allowed his physique to diminish because that's part of who Gronk is. We've joked about him starring in a reboot of The Terminator because in that movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger had like 17 lines and they were mostly two or three syllables. Gronk could do that. But if you don't have the body... It, you, you're not as natural for that role. You got to maintain the physique. So I'm feeling less confident that Gronk is going to decide during the 2019 season that he wants to return. Over the weekend, we pointed out, and this came from the Julian Edelman documentary that debuted on Friday on Showtime, that that, that PED violation that I've said, hey, he got a pass for it, other than the four-game suspension, obviously, but from the media standpoint, from the fan standpoint, nobody seems to be all that bothered by the fact that he essentially cheated, whether it was because he was trying to recover from a torn ACL or just trying to get an edge. And some people do see a difference between those two. I don't. Frank Edelman, his father, was pissed. 81 days they went without talking to each other, and they previously talked to each other every day. 81 days with no contact. So... You know what? Hearing that, I feel like maybe the guy did get more of a punishment than than previously expected or believed. I still think that the public doesn't care. The public should care. The public doesn't care about PED use in football. It normalizes it. It desensitizes people. It makes people think it's okay for someone who is trying to get back to their old form after suffering an injury to do something that constitutes cheating even if it is at the expense of someone who is doing all the right things and who isn't cheating. I say this all the time when it relates to guys who are getting a second chance. Every time you give a guy a second chance, you're taking away someone else's first chance. Everyone who uses a PED to recover from an injury and save his job takes away someone else's opportunity who hasn't used a PED. And I think the justification, the rationalization is simple. They just believe everybody else is using it so why shouldn't I? And the temptation is strong. I pressed Chris Sims last week on whether or not he would have taken a pill that would have allowed him to be the guy that he was before he lost his spleen. One pill. Yes, it's PED. It's one pill, and you can be the guy you were before you had that horrific incident that almost took your life. Would you do it? He said no. And I'd like to think he believes that, but... He's, he's never had that, that one pill. He's never been in that situation. He's never had that opportunity. I think it's very difficult, especially if you have a lifestyle that has been constructed based upon the money that you make playing professional football. I think it's very difficult to not do whatever you can, even if that includes taking something that you shouldn't take. Because you've got family who are counting on you. You've got a house that you wouldn't be able to afford. You've got other financial obligations that you would not be able to meet. And you just assume everybody else is doing it too. 
and because the NFL doesn't impose greater punishments, and because, I mean, we, it's, it's so strange. And the NFL, for years, has benefited from the fact that baseball players get all the negative press as it relates to PED use and the finger-wagging and the stigma. Football players don't. But now, for the past 10 years, the concussion problem is viewed as a football thing, even though it's also a soccer thing and a hockey thing and any type of contact sport thing. MMA, watch an MMA fight. There have been events I've watched where I would estimate that in the final moments before the referee literally dives in to break it up, five, six, seven concussions suffered by the person who lost. There's no way there can't be. Those blows to the head repeated, bang, bang, pow. Guy's already out before the referee can stop it. Nobody says boo because those sports aren't as big as football. It's that simple. All right, I mentioned earlier James Conner. Spoke with him earlier today. He's promoting the Polaris Slingshot. Let me tell you, the Polaris Slingshot is quite a little vehicle. Did a little research. I've got a Polaris Ranger, which has four wheels. The Polaris Slingshot has three, two in the front, one in the back. Neat little vehicle. If I had room for it, I may have to buy one, and I may have to make room for it. So here's our conversation with Steelers running back James Conner, uh, who was made available to us because of the efforts to promote the Polaris slingshot. On the other side, I will answer some of your questions. Here's Conner. All right, joining us now, Steelers running back James Conner, who is being made available to us today on behalf of the Polaris slingshot, three-wheeled roadster, and it's summer of fun test drive program that will send consumers to Hawaii. Polaris Slingshot uh, is also behind the July 16 National Stick Shift Day. James Conner, can you drive a stick shift? I can. Uh, I look forward to, to even learn how to, how to drive it even better, you know. Um, if you go to the local dealership, actually, they'll de- and do a test drive. They'll teach you how to drive it and everything. So, uh, yeah, I got some work to do on it, but it won't take me uh, hard to learn, a lot to learn. How, so you know how, or you just need a refresher? I need a refresher. I need a refresher because my, one of my good friends from back in the day actually had a Jeep that was stick shift, and uh, he took me around. His name is Sean. He, he took me around in the parking lot of the uh, empty parking lot and taught me how to drive a stick, so I just need a refresher. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I've, I've had a few cars with stick shifts, and every time I get a new one, you need that refresher so you know how to do it. Hey, I, I was telling you before we started, we last spoke before you were drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. you got two years now in the NFL. Give me something about the NFL that is easier than you thought it was going to be and something about it that is harder than you thought it was going to be? Uh, good question. Um, something easier than I thought. Um, well, none of it is easy. Um, I just think that uh, it's easier to, to, to stay focused because, uh, you know, when you're in college, you have a lot of other obligations. Uh, but with an NFL, it's obviously just that's your job. is full time. So, uh, you know, still got a lot of obligations, but, you know, all your time is focused to getting better and, and doing something towards, towards football. So, um, you know, it's not like college where you got your school work and got to balance other things. And so, um, but uh, what I also learned about it is, is just, uh, you know, with time and experience, you you get bigger and stronger and, and you adapt as the game changes too. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, I know I can compete. So uh, you just change with the game. We had an opportunity to prove yourself last year and prove yourself you did. What are you working on to get better at in 2019? You just cover all the basics again. Uh, you do what got you there and you just uh, – do it with a little more urgency and uh, do it with a little more passion. Uh, you stick to the basics. Just work a little harder every year. You know, just try to cover all areas as a running back and uh, as, as a teammate. And so, um, 
you know, it's, uh, it's easy. Just, just work a little harder. James, I'm a firm believer that all the stuff that's gone over over the past five or six months, and we don't need to rehash it all, we know there's been plenty of stuff, that all of that is going to result in bringing the team closer together. It's going to motivate the players. It's going to make the team better than maybe it would have been without all these issues that the team has been dealing with. Am I right or am I wrong? Um, well, I think only time will tell. You know, I think uh, we became closer maybe because of everything. Uh, throughout OTAs and minicamp, it was, it, was, it was fun to see the guys, you know, coming to the facility, excited to be there, excited to, to see each other, um, the interactions and the relationships. Uh, you know, they've all been great so far, great vibes within us, you know, in, in our organization. So uh, we're, we're excited about the future, man. You know, I, I know that running back's your position, not receiver, but one of the big questions with Antonio Brown gone, can Juju Smith-Schuster step into that role where he's the number one guy who's attracting extra attention? Can he thrive with two, maybe three guys trying to stop what he's doing? What do you think? Yes, um, you know, he's going to have a lot of help. We got Moncrief, uh, James Washington, Ryan Switzer, Eli Rogers, a lot of talented guys, you know, so nobody has to do it by themselves. Um, but, man, we've seen Juju. It seems like every other week he's going for 97, 99 yards, you know, these big plays and just, you know, just being productive week after week. So um, he's more than capable and he's going to have a lot of help. Um, so, you know, I'm excited for him. One of the more overlooked changes for the Steelers this year, James, the departure of offensive line coach Mike Munchak. How has that transition gone to a new offensive line coach from Munchak? Because he was so well-respected and did such a good job there. Uh, well, Sean Sweet stepped up. You know, he's already been there with us. And so, um, you know, the old linemen, they already love him and had a great relationship with him, uh, you know, when he was under Coach Munchak. So, uh, you know, I got a great relationship with him, too. So, um, it really don't feel like uh, much has changed. You know, we, we miss Munch. Uh, he was a great person and, and great coach. Uh, but, you know, you know, he's another situation, so we just got to gotta move on. Today's NFL presents a strange challenge for running backs because on one hand, you want the ball. You want to be the guy. You want to be the workhorse. You want to prove you can carry the load and wear defenses down. On the other hand, teams like to have two, maybe three guys. You've got Jalen Samuels. You've got Benny Snell. Yeah. What's your preference? Because sometimes if you burn too bright early in your career, you don't have that wear and tear or you have too much wear and tear and you can't extend your career. Would you rather be the workhorse or do you see some benefit in maybe – having a reduced load and playing deeper uh, than maybe you otherwise would? Yeah, I definitely see some benefits, you know, from having uh, multiple talented guys, you know, with uh, special teams and, uh, you know, uh, early on in the season as well. Um, you know, those guys are talented. And uh, so, you know, there's no reason to, you know, that they, they can make plays. And so, um, you know, obviously when, when it's late and the game's on the line, you know, I want to be the guy. and you know, make, make plays for us, but uh, they're more than capable. Jalen's a great receiver. Benny's a hard-nosed runner, great receiver as well. So, man, we just going to play off of each other, man. We just want to ring. So, however, you know, our coaches and staff make those decisions, and, and they've been awesome so far, and uh, they will continue to be. So we're excited for it. But if whatever's going to get us a ring, that's what, that's what we're going to do. James, even though we know it's old news that Le'Veon Bell's gone, Antonio Brown's gone, how do you keep that from becoming a distraction during the season with questions about, hey, what do you think of how Antonio's doing in Oakland? How's Le'Veon Bell doing in New York? How do you guys wall that off, shut that off, and not let, let, let that affect what's going on in your locker room? Uh, I think we, uh, we bench that it off. Um, you know, we always have respect for those guys. Those are our you know, former teammates, and they're great people, you know, as well as football players and stuff that's just, you know, worried about what they're doing in their other states and teams uh, that, that can't help us none. So, um, 
you know, we, we hope they do well and, and wish the best for them, but that can't help us at all. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's been behind us. James, before I let you go, tell me more about that vehicle that is sitting behind you. It looks like it's going 50 miles yeah. an hour and it's not even moving. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, man, it's awesome. You see they got the colors right on this one, too. This is the black and yellow one, but, man, it's awesome. The, the slingshot, you know, three-wheel roadster. Uh, it's been fun, man. Uh, it's the summer of fun. That's what we're doing. And uh, actually, if you go to PolarisSlingshot.com, you can learn more about it. Go to the local dealership, take a test drive in it. Um, they'll teach you how to drive the stick. All you need is a regular driver's license, and um, you actually can win a free trip to Hawaii. So I don't know what's better than that. Just you know, go take a test drive and enter that contest. You could be in Hawaii checking the scenery out uh, in the roadster. So. Go check out PolarisSlingshot.com. Right. So yeah. you pull up to training camp in one of those in Latrobe at St. Vincent's College. What's Mike Tomlin say? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Uh, you gonna think he'll think he'll like it? You know, it's safe. You know, so uh, you know that'd be the only worry. But I think he'll say sweet ride. You know, nice colors and, and everything. So uh, you know, it'll be cool. <laughs> well, hey James, congratulations on all your success. It's been a great story and it's been awesome. fun to watch and we look forward to seeing what you do in 2019, buddy. Look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you, brother. All right, thanks again to James Conner and the folks at Polaris for making James available. By the way, it's time to prepare for your summer road trips, whether you're driving a Polaris slingshot or any other vehicle. Before you head out, visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Simple preventive maintenance before you hit the road will ensure a safe journey during the summer months ahead. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. And I'm guessing they've got parts needed for the Polaris Slingshot. I've got, they've got parts for any vehicle that you could imagine, unless you've got some funky exotic vehicle. But even then, a lot of the parts are still, still the same, right? Belts, hoses, fans. Cars are cars, and you can get your car parts at O'Reilly Auto Parts. All right, time to answer some of your questions. 32, at least 32 interactions since we posted the GIF earlier calling for questions. Let's see what we have here. PFTPM Posse, using your crystal ball, what are the most radical changes that you think could realistically happen in the next 10 years to the NFL on and off-field product? Changes in how you and the rest of the media do your jobs, cover the league. Changes in how we fans consume the NFL. Man, there's a lot there. And this is one that requires a little thought. I think at some point, the television model is going to change. Now, I've been hearing that for 10 years. 10 years from now, who knows? But there's a belief that the networks no longer will be a viable platform for professional football. That there will be other ways to deliver the sport in a way that generates numbers as great or greater than what the networks can do. But here's the thing that we always have to remember. There is a divide technologically in this country, a huge divide. And there are millions that still don't have cable. They don't have satellite. They don't have access to wireless high-speed internet. I mean, you think about it, you go to any big city, and it's a big city and it's a rural thing too, and a lot of big cities, people just don't have the money. You can flip on your computer or your phone and you start looking at all the networks and it's like oh my god how many different different competing colliding wi-fi signals are going through my body in any given moment i mean i can do it on my computer here and i'm living in west virginia i can i can pull it up right now i've got okay i i am sitting at the end of the road at the top of a hill i've got eight acres when you got the back of my house it looks like you're in the wilderness i've posted pictures of it before Right now, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, eight, nine different networks that are sending signals around. You, you go to, you know, anytime I'm in New York, if I'm at a hotel and I pop it up, and you just, it never ends. But there are still millions of people who don't have their own access to wireless high-speed internet and people who live out in the middle of nowhere. They don't have it. Now, a lot of them rely upon satellite because they're not even in range of the the nearest over-the-air network, but a lot of people rely on that over-the-air signal. It used to be that you would have an antenna on the top of your house. This funky-looking stick with the horizontal metal configuration that you'd put on top of your house to get as many channels as you could. ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, if you're lucky. Then came cable, and it had like five channels. Then the cable explosion came in the late 70s, early 80s. But for a long time, it was whatever you could manage to get to your TV from either an external antenna that was wired down to your TVs or whatever you could put on the back of your TV. They had the rabbit ears. They had the two, you know, on um, the, the old radios had the one, the one metal rod that pulled in and out. The TVs would have two of them and you'd move them around to get it just right, or you get a little bit of tin foil and put it on the back, it was a booster, or sometimes you had to hold your hand there, like you became the antenna, to get it to come in. It was frustrating. Those old TVs were a pain in the ass, too. You had vertical hold, where you had to get it just right to get the clear picture, otherwise it would like do this thing where it, the picture just keeps scrolling. Horizontal hold, where it would get all crazy, like diagonal lines. But a lot of people still rely upon, now I don't know if they have vertical hold or horizontal hold issues, but they're still relying upon over the air. So over the air networks continue to deliver. And even if you're talking about people that don't have a whole lot of money, they still buy stuff with the money they have. So advertising to them is an objective. So I still am yet to believe and become convinced that they're going to, to remove, I, I think is always going to be a major component because the NFL always wants to have maximum TV audience. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the next round of TV deals, ESPN and ABC simulcast Monday Night Football. Now, it, it diminishes the desirability of ESPN. And, and maybe they won't all be simulcast. It'll almost be like a Thursday Night Football deal where a minimum number of games are exclusive to ESPN on Monday night, but ABC gets involved for some of the bigger games. Because I think the NFL likes that. That three-hour infomercial broadcast to maximum homes that the NFL gets paid a crap load of money for. So I still don't see that changing. But we're moving closer and closer to the expiration of the current TV contracts. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? The belief, though, is the current model is going to continue. And one of the reasons they like the current model, there are just enough networks to outnumber the available seats. So there's always going to be that musical chairs element where somebody is left out and that somebody is going to want back in, which is going to either keep that party out when they try to get back in or knock someone out. That all started back in 1994 when Fox knocked out CBS. See, back then, CBS had their package, NBC had their package, ABC had their package. And they had that Sunday night deal that was split between ESPN and TNT before it became 
exclusively ESPN. I believe, what year did it become exclusively ESPN? I can't remember what year it was. But at some point, it became exclusively an ESPN thing. So in comes Fox in 1994, and they knock out CBS. Holy crap. Four years later, CBS knocks out NBC. 2006, NBC indirectly knocks out ABC because Sunday Night Football goes from a cable property on ESPN to a broadcast property on NBC, and the NFL pulls back Monday Night Football from a broadcast property on ABC to a cable property on ESPN. I think at one point, ESPN and ABC were hoping to keep both, but it just didn't work out. And NBC was able to to basically nudge out ABC. So what's ABC going to do now? Is Turner going to get back in? Again, there's just enough, just enough networks beyond the available packages to create that sense where you can churn and churn and leverage and leverage and get more and more and more. And if they would ever move to a, a and, and there's been some speculation that what could happen is the NFL could sell the broad packages like windows, like the one o'clock Eastern window on Sunday, the 425 Eastern window on Sunday, the Sunday night window, the Monday night window, the Thursday night window, sell it to a giant tech company that would then turn around and resell rights to broadcast networks and then retain certain rights for streaming. And, you know, basically here, you take it, you pay a gigantic amount of money, you take it, and then you figure out what to do with it. But you have to maximize the the uh, the viewership. I don't think that's going to happen because there aren't enough of those tech companies. That's the problem. There's enough networks to play this game of musical chairs. There aren't enough tech companies to play the game of musical chairs. That's the thing to keep an eye on. All right, but well, that's a lot of time to answer one question. Let's move on to number two. PFT PM Posse, happy anniversary. Cheers for another 10 plus years with NBC and, of course, the PFT PM Posse. We hope to keep it going for at least another 10 years. And, I mean, that the first 10 years has flown by. We'll, we'll see. I, my, my, my number one objective is to live the next 10 years, right? There was a comedian who at one point had a, and I can't remember who it was. There was a bit about not yet being 50 and if you would die. People are like, man, that's a shame. But the moment you turn 50, if you die, it's like, well, well, he's 50. So I'm four years past that point. So I just want to make it 10 more years. And then at that point, the goal will be to make it 10 more years. And then that's... The goal at that point, when you're 74, do you want to, do you want to make it 10 more years? Or at 74, is that when you're in your just make it one more year? Is it day, When are you day-to-day? I guess you're always day-to-day. But, uh, but anyway... Uh, Here's the 10 more years, but, but I will savor them and hope that they go very slowly. What else do we have here? PFT, man, a lot of, man, PFT and Posse here. You're, I'm going to scroll past here. You're hogging them all. I may come back. I may swing back around. Let's go down to some others here. Leapers 500, did Sunday's free agent bananas in the NBA, which I know is not your gig, make you long for a musical chairs for the NFL? It would be more fun, but I suspect systems of play would make players less fungible. Further, the structure of the NFL gives teams and owners all the say. See, that that's the thing. The, the NBA has a very interesting and compelling a, a free agency process, but it, 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 it feels like there, there aren't enough players to go around in the NBA. 
we were just talking about musical chairs as it relates to TV packages to go around. There aren't enough good players to go around. So you've got this very clear and stark winners and losers in the NBA. In the NFL, it never feels that way. It just feels like winners and bystanders. That, that even if you don't have a great free agency haul, just because somebody went out and spent a lot of money on a free agent doesn't mean they're going to be better. See, in basketball, you feel like you can go out and get that one or two guys that's going to dramatically change your team because there's only five guys on the court at any one time, offensively and defensively. That guy you spend a crap load of money on in NFL free agency is one out of 22. How much is he really going to make your team better? The key is still drafting and developing and properly managing the salary cap and your budget so you have enough quality players because all it takes is a weak link. It's not a really strong player that's going to win you a championship. It's that weak player that's going to cost you a championship or at least a chance to compete for one. That's one of the reasons why it's different. But I would like to think the NFL is interested in making its own free agency more compelling. I suggested earlier today this possibility of changing the franchise tag so that you don't have it tied to positions. You can still use the franchise tag, but you're going to pay that person the average of the top five or ten highest paid players in the league. Then it's only going to be a quarterback franchise tag. Still not ideal. But there have been changes in recent years that do make it easier for players to fight and win. They just have to be willing to. Kirk Cousins was willing to, kind of. Washington never handled his situation the right way. Tremaine Johnson fought and won. Two years as a franchise tag player, and then he hit the open market. But what you'd like to do is create a situation where you get to the open market faster, more players get to the open market, more money gets spent, more interest in free agency. And and I criticize the NFL for that stupid 48-hour window because by the time free agency starts, it's already over. The 48-hour window opened on a Monday at noon, which makes sense, but we need to start treating that like the start of free agency, not like this, well, we'll see what happens, and then they'll, they'll drop the... What's the flag? What color flag starts a race? Green? Green means go. So maybe maybe it's green. But anyway, they start the process. As a practical matter, they should just go ahead and start the process. They've created this false reality where we're led to believe there's no tampering. Of course there's tampering. Just start the process. That's what the NBA did. They do it at 6 p.m. on a Saturday, on a Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern on a Sunday. And, you know, I posted a couple of tweets about this, and, and I've said before that it's impossible to reason with Twitter at times, that when people just decide they don't like something you say, they're just going to pounce. And, and, and a lot of times it's like, man, you know, folks, folks can be kind of dumb. And it's almost like deliberate. Like, oh, oh, here's a take that we don't like, so we're going to jump on it even though we know what the point is and we know that we're wrong about this i mean my point is nba free agency is interesting it is compelling it draws a lot of interest but don't do it at 6 p.m on a sunday and i know everybody's got their phones with them and they still follow it but there is going to be more interest there won't be less there will only be more if it's all happening when people are at work i know from almost 19 years of doing this. I see the traffic in real time every single day. And I know the best time to do something along those lines to generate maximum interest. And it's typically, typically when people show up at work and they are procrastinating before they start their day. That is the time to capture them. Start it at 9 a.m. Eastern. 
Now, the problem is West Coast is three hours behind. But really in that window, maybe you started at noon Eastern on a Monday. Because that's the one day of the week where people are most likely to procrastinate. And that's the time where you've got people who are stumbling into their lunch break on that first day of the work week. And then you've got the people coming online in the West. And you've got all points in between. Start, and the NFL's got it right. They start at noon Eastern on a Monday, but they really don't make it official until 4 o'clock Eastern on a Wednesday. But as we saw this year, it's over by then. Start it officially then. That's what basketball should do. That's what football should do to maximize. I'm not saying there's no interest. I'm saying there could be more. Everybody's always looking for more. So Phil Sims asked me a couple weeks ago, we are talking about money. How much money is enough? How much money do you want? More. Whatever you want, you want more. You're generating interest? Good. How do we inter- how do we generate more? By not having your free agency start at 6 p.m. Eastern on a Sunday. Period. All right. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Leapers 500, what are the biggest changes in the NFL over the 10-year span of the NBC deal for you and your job, but more so the league? I mean, we have seen the game become incredibly safer. We have seen the game almost revolutionary, not evolutionary, but in revolutionary style become safer. It was October of 2009 when the NFL and the NFLPA were forced to deal with the effects of, of head trauma. That was when there was a congressional hearing, Roger Goodell, D. Smith, they had to go there and answer tough questions. And after that, coincidentally or not, the NFL started taking the issue of head trauma far more seriously than it ever had. And then it was October of 2010. I believe, was it the 17th? It was mid-October. There were three incidents that happened in five minutes of real time. And let me see if I remember this properly. I haven't thought about it in a while. I think we've done this before, but the longer it goes, the harder it is for me to remember. Was it Brandon Merriweather hitting Todd Heap, James Harrison hitting Muhammad Masquai, and Dante Robinson hitting Deshaun Jackson? Bang, bang, and bang. Not necessarily in that order. But that sparked an extended discussion on Football Night in America about how uh, these head-to-head, helmet-to-helmet hits cause these head injuries. And, and the NFL at that point became very vigilant about aggressively attacking the, the challenge of, of keeping the helmet-to-helmet hits to a minimum. And ever since then, it's been more and more and safer and safer. And I've said this before. You watch a game from the 80s, and it's stunning how much more violent football was then. But over the past 10 years, that's been the biggest change. The commitment to making the game safer. And it's a commitment born of self-preservation. Because I think the powers that be realized they had to do what they could to make the game safer, or there would have been an attack on the game. And they also have to do what they can to make the game safer. Otherwise, mom and dad won't let their kids play football. And they need that supply of football players. All right, what else do we have here? Josh Randall, would you enjoy the show more or less if you didn't give an update on the news and just answered questions? What if you had someone that would go through and condense the questions? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, oh, you're talking about PFTPM. Um, no, I, I like doing what I do. I mean, I, I don't know. It's not a matter of... Once I start doing it, I'm fine with it. It's just the act of setting that hour aside every day when I could be doing something else. That's what's not easy to do. 
So I think that's the question. Mike likes dirt says I wouldn't miss the let's see what we've missed since PFT live part of the pod. If it were to cut, if it were cut to save time and energy, the interactivity, candid responses, and off book musings are what I'm here for. So, so, so maybe what you're saying is you don't necessarily want to hear what's happened since PFT live goes off the air from that six hours or so. You just want me to jump right into the questions. I like to have a few topics every day, but the thing is. The questions drive the topics. I, here's what I could do. Here's what I could do. Maybe we'll try this. I, I don't know. I, I don't like to change. But you know what? The idea would be to jump right into the questions. And then I would hold back a few topics that I would address in the event that no one asks the question. Because a lot of times what happens is I address the topic and then I see there was a question. I still like going through the questions cold. I don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about it ahead of time because I don't want to make it into something more than a one-hour commitment of my time. Although I know sometimes I get myself into a question where I don't know because I haven't thought about it. I, need to, I would need to think about it, but I don't want to think about it in advance because I have other stuff to do. Therein lies the conundrum. I will take it all under advisement. Libras 500, this might be a stupid question. Which sort of NFL greats of the past would excel in the modern league? LT, Mean Joe Green, Jack Lambert, Montana, Elway, Graham, Ronnie Lott, Deacon Jones. I mean, here's the thing. For some guys like Jack Lambert, who was not big at all, you look at him and you say, this guy wouldn't survive in today's NFL. But would Jack Lambert do what he had to do to survive in today's NFL? Would he put in the time in the weight room to match the tenacity just the way he was wired. Would he do whatever he had to do to get himself onto a football field? I think he would. Alan Page, 225-pound defensive tackle. What, 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 would, would he just be a linebacker? Would he be 20 pounds heavier? What would he do? Right? So I, I think that what makes a great football player is less about the innate and inherent size of the body and more about what's inside of it, what's in your mind, what's in your heart, what you choose to do, how determined you are, what your pain threshold is, what your commitment level is, and you find a way. That's why, quote-unquote, shorter players at quarterback are thriving. It's not about the size. It's about what's inside. So I think all these folks... LT, Mean Joe Green, Jack Lambert, Joe Montana, John Elway, Otto Graham, Ronnie Lott, Deacon Jones. I think they all would find a way to thrive. The rules change, but that innate quality that made them great, still there. It's still there. There's a debate back and forth by a few of the folks. Because Chai... Arunavo says all of them, like I'm saying. Leapers 500 says that's not true. Some relied on skills and techniques that are now outlawed, and their primary skill sets may not match up with what is working now. Deacon Jones with the head slap, I don't know, was devastating. And, you know, hey, look, I, I see the point there, but I think the truly great player finds another way to make it work because the greatness doesn't come from the technique. The greatness comes from the, the physicality. So you just harness the physicality a different way. Jason Schender, what's the biggest holy shit moment you've had during the 10 years of the NBC partnership? Probably when 
they called me up in August of 2010. Now, at that point, I had done four, maybe four, maybe three Notre Dame halftimes with Peter King and Jimmy Roberts, where I'd travel to New York and I'd be on the air for five minutes and I would try not to soil my trousers and then I would come home. And I was there for one Sunday late in the regular season, 2009, in the room where the Football Night in America sausage was made in the afternoon. And then I was there for the playoff weekend. Peter King, Keith Olbermann, and I did a did a segment or two that day. But I, I just I, the times I was on TV in 2009, the 2009 season, I wasn't paid. It was just hey, this is an opportunity to promote this relationship and promote PFT, and I'll go do it. Back in those days, I did any and all radio spots I could. The first eight, nine, ten years of the website. I did whatever I could to get the name out. This is a great way to get the name out, get people to understand what the website is and come visit it. I didn't even think of it as an opportunity to make money. I never thought of being on TV as a way to have a separate paycheck. I never thought of being on radio as a way to have a separate paycheck. These were just ways to, to market the, the, the main revenue generator that, you know, that we, that we had our, our arms around. So it was some point in August of 2010, I remember exactly where I was. I was outside of a little restaurant over in Clarksburg, the sister city to Bridgeport where I live. And I was waiting to go in, got a phone call and they wanted me to come up every weekend and do some videos with Rodney Harrison after halftime of each Sunday night game and, and do the, the post game show. And it's like, what every, every, every week. And that was the, that was the moment that life fundamentally changed in a way that I never thought was going to happen when we signed up with NBC. I thought it would be, you know, from time to time I'd go up, but not all that often. And I would do some stuff out of my house, but it was mainly, I'm the digital guy. I didn't think I was going to be doing anything more than that. That was the day it was like, holy crap. And I remember like I started doing it and I didn't ask for any money. It's like, I'm just do this. This is about promoting the, hey, baby, here we go. Promote, promote, promote. Man, maybe at some point I would have said, hey, hey I got to get paid extra for this. But before I could do that, they said, hey, we want to pay you for this. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to say no to more money. We worked something out, had a TV contract go along with the digital contract. And then the radio contract came a few years after that. So it all worked out well. PFT Live launched early 2011 after that first season that was part of the the original deal but that was the moment that was the moment standing outside on that august day not long before the season started so i didn't have a lot of time to freak out before the season started but it was like oh i'm gonna be doing this oh shh okay and here we are that was this is the 10th year of that because that was a year into the into the relationship but this will be the 10th season of back and forth every weekend during football season. And and that's gotten easier. I say that now as I know it's coming and it just it's this weird existence where and and look, thank you for your service. I know it's still not real work, but every Saturday to pack up and leave. Now it takes 10 minutes to pack cuz you don't need all that much. They have the clothes that you need to be on TV. Everything else is very casual, but you pack up and you go and you travel and you get there and it's a long ass Sunday. It's an early Monday, PFT live, travel home, get home Monday, lather, rinse, repeat, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. And after 17 of those, the season ends, and 
your your life change your life just fundamentally changes four months of your life is one existence and the next eight months of your life is a completely different existence it's just the way it is and i'm sure plenty of people who are in this business who cover the nfl feel the same way all right what else do we have <laughs> tyler Furness, going off your choice of gift which show is better the flintstones or the jetsons I, I've, I've always been a flintstones guy even though when i watch it now i think why did i like it so much I remember, like, into my mid-20s, if the Flintstones was on, I would watch it. And in hindsight, it really wasn't all that good. I think TV has improved a lot since then. I think it was, you know, better or as good as anything TV had to offer in the 70s and 80s. But, yeah, I, I always liked the Flintstones. <sighs> Tyler Furness, what backup quarterback on an NFL roster would you most like to see start in the XFL backup quarterback on an NFL roster? Uh, I look, I mean, Drew Locke, I guess, since he's not technically the starter in in Denver, right? Dwayne Haskins, if he's not the starter in Washington. Now, Case Keenum, if he's considered a backup, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I still think they should just sign Johnny Manziel instead of waiting around to see which backup quarterbacks from NFL rosters are available. They need star power. How many backup quarterbacks are stars? There may be some guys. See, this, the guys who are star quarterbacks, most of them don't fade into the backup quarterback thing and accept a, you know, a very good pay, but accept that that role of being secondary to the starter. Matt Hasselbeck did it, but not a lot of guys do that. I remember Randall Cunningham did it for a few years. Like, hell, you're getting three, four million dollars. He's a guy who was out of football for a year putting in marble countertops in kitchens and bathrooms. It's a pretty good deal to not play. You're getting paid good money to not play football. Austrian Panther, also known as At Panthers Austria, in hindsight, concerning the 10-year partnership, would you have done some things differently? Ooh, regret. The rabbit hole of regret. What would I have done differently over the last 10 years? I don't really know. Is there anything I would have done differently? That implies that there was some sort of planning or engineering. A lot of what I do is just react. You react to circumstances, you react to news, you react to whatever's going on. You just, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't sit around and think about successes or failures because I think that's not conducive to being as good as you can be. And I'd, I'd hate to say that there's a little, that Belichickian mindset there, but just the idea that you gain nothing by looking at all the things that you've done well. You gain nothing by regretting the things that you did poorly. You just keep moving forward. So, you know, my instinct has always been provide an experience that I would want if I were the person who was the customer to the website. And that's what I do every single day, every single day. And again, it's, it's not like, you know, having a job that actually involves sweat and toil and risk sitting on my ass. It's the risk of a sedentary lifestyle. Although I try to move around as much as I can. I try to work out every day and, and I, I try to, there's there's a an area and I try to work in different areas of the house just for change of pace and I'll try to spend some time standing up as I work just you know 
So again, we're not talking about any physical risk. We're not talking about any type of, of real toil. And I've gotten to the point where when I'm in a groove, I can do three or four stories in an hour and just go, go, go. And, and, and I like it. I like it. My big fear always was when I discovered this thing and when I realized that I had fashioned some sort of a voice that people were paying attention to and I knew people in the league were paying attention. I still don't know why the hell they do, but they were. And, and I, this is fun. I enjoy this. I enjoy this. And my concern always was, will there be a point where I no longer enjoy it? Will there be a point where I view it as something I have to do instead of something I choose to do? Because part of the attraction always was, I choose to do it. And I don't have to keep doing it. Once it became something that I have to do, once there was a real financial incentive to do it, would I still like it or would it become a job like anything else? And it hasn't. That's the refreshing part of it. I still enjoy it. Now, 5.20 a.m. every day that I have PFT Live, when I drag my ass out of bed, I go through that why the hell do I do this to myself routine. But that, that fades. I've, I've done that long enough that I know that it fades. And there have been times, and this has gotten easier over the years. There have been seasons where usually sometime between early to late October, I go through a stretch where I say, why do I put myself through travel, be away from home two nights a week, and have this duality of existence where, you know, every weekend you bust your ass, bust your ass, bust your ass that whole weekend long, you come home, you're exhausted and your reward for getting home is get your ass back to work. And there's never a break. I, I've, I've, I've learned how to deal with that. So it doesn't happen. And I've learned how to make the most out of whatever moment that I can capture. And I know that there are going to be some times of fairly intense and frenetic work, but I also know that right on the other side of that corner, it's going to be a little bit easier. I know after that, that, that really challenging and demanding Sunday of news ricocheting all over the place and the competition to be first and the competition to advance the ball and the challenge of coming up with little sound bites that I can weave into football night in America and the goal of delivering the information without stepping on your your own foot, you know that that that's a stressful day. But I know that you know after four or five hours of sleep, you wake up. PFT Live is easy. You're done. You go home, and you get to collect and regroup and do it all again. And and I've I've learned how to be in the moment and not not fret about oh god I got ten more weeks of this or I got twelve more weeks of this or I got eight more weeks of this. I just enjoy it day by day, week by week. So anyway, what, 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 was it, what, was it, what question am I even answering? The point is, I would do nothing differently. Uh, to answer your question in a much shorter fashion, I would do nothing differently. Oh my God, I would do something differently today. Are we already at an hour? Gears of Ted, how long does Stafford have left in Detroit before Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn bring in someone else? I think he's getting closer and closer to the end of the, end of the line. This year, maybe next year. Maybe. Gears of Ted, do we ever see peak Todd Gurley again after the knee injury? I would say no. Gears of Ted, is Jason Garrett done if the Cowboys don't make real noise this year? I would say yes. 
years of Ted with the Players Union ever really concede to an 18-game schedule. They're doing a great job of convincing the NFL they're not interested. And I'm not sure whether they would do it. I'm not sure what it would take. I think at some level the NFL believed that the safety enhancements made over the past decade would get the Players Union to the point where they would accept an 18-game schedule. And I would not be surprised to learn that it... At some level, there's some frustration on the part of the NFL because the NFLPA has yet to say, yeah, we'll do it. I don't know. It's a hell of a ruse. Because let me tell you, if the NFL thought the players would do it, the NFL would exercise its unilateral right to shrink the preseason because the NFL has that power. And the NFL hasn't done it. Because the NFL does not yet believe that the players would say, okay, we don't want to lose that revenue that comes from two weeks of the preseason. So we'll, we'll play extra regular season games. If the NFL thought the players would do that, the NFL would have done it by now. Buffalo Guy 83, could we get some archived PFT audio from when you first started? Well, if you go to the, let me just do this now. If you go to iTunes, if you've got an Apple product, or if you go to the, I guess, I, I don't know, can you get, I see, can you get to iTunes if you don't have a, a Mac? I don't know. Everything I have, and, and look, this is all unpacked. And, and I know that there's a relationship, with the, and I have a Surface that I use sometimes, but my main work computers are all Macs or MacBooks or whatever. I see here, um, I see 300... Um, PFTPMs. Oh, there are 46 that are gone. I don't know where the first 46 are. I thought they had all of them. Did, what, do they only keep the latest 300? Well, that's odd. Yeah, I only see 300. I just assumed they were all there. The most recent one was number 47. Uh, today's, I guess, is number... It's number 350, but but we do PFTOT as a separate file. But, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, SARS Monster 15, will the skills competition ever take place at the Horde All-Star Game? Having Mahomes and Allen in a distance-throwing competition could be awesome. Look, they've done stuff like that. They do that thing on, on like, Wednesday or Thursday night where they play dodgeball and crap and they do a skills competition. I they also, the, the Pro Bowl is a joke, but as long as people watch it and people will watch it, they'll keep doing it. Even though it's not real football, they'll keep doing it. And Nick Mangold accosted me at the media center prior to this past your Super Bowl one day during that week saying, will you please quit talking about the Pro Bowl going away? The players love it. So quit talking about it going away. We like doing it. Nick Estrom, happy anniversary. Thank you for the great content. It's now a family thing to listen to the podcast over the surround sound. Oh my God, the thought of my voice over the surround sound. Are you surrounded in my mellifluous? Not so much. I should smoke more cigars, and I can get that John Facenda voice. Cigars and cigarettes. You get an awesome voice. You die, but before you die, you have a hell of a voice. Faisal Morali, with the way that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have been fighting but not really fighting, can you see an outcome where Aaron Rodgers loses this power struggle and gets traded or benched? I'd be stunned if that happens. Stunned. Let me look at his contract here. I, I think if he ends up being absolutely miserable... See, here's the thing. He will never ask to be traded. He does not want to alienate the fan base. He saw what happened to Brett Favre, and he does not want that to be him. So if the decision decision's ever going to be made, it's going to be made by the team. And the contract that he signed last year, I think as a practical matter, 
Okay, the if they would, I'd have to analyze this a little more carefully, but there will be some huge cap charges, huge cap charges, because he had that $57.5 million signing bonus. As of right now, it looks like it would be $49 million not, that they would have to account for. 40, eh, not 40, not quite. My, my math isn't very good. Here, let, let me just do this. Let me pull up a calculator to get this right. He's got $11.5 million per year on a five-year uh, separation. So one has been earned, the $11.5 million from 2018. He's got $46 million, $46 million that is still not yet accounted for under the salary cap. If they would trade him right now, since June 1 has come and gone, they would take $11.5 million this year, and next year the cap charge would be $34.5 million to get him off the books. Next year, uh, $34.5 million is what's left. The year after that, it reduced. I, I think they got another year to two or three before they would get to the point where they could pull it off. Um, and what do we have by way of guarantees, right? He's got... $13.4 million guaranteed this year by way of a roster bonus. His base salary is low, $1.1 million. He's got a roster bonus in 2020 of $19.5 million that is already fully guaranteed. So I think through 2020, and then after that, you just you see where his skills are, you see if it's working, you see... I, I don't rule out anything, but I, I, th I think it's at least two seasons away. At least. Dean Osborne, 42. Who are your three top favorite sports people of all time? Man. Willie Stargell. Isn't that funny? I'm not a baseball guy, but that's the first name that came to mind. But there was something special that was going on with the Pittsburgh Pirates back in the 70s. And one of the reasons I just don't care about baseball anymore, I feel like there's never going to be anything close to that kind of magic with the birthday cake hats and the stars. That was a special, special year in 1979 with the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates and everything that Willie Stargell represented as a baseball player and as a man. So Willie Stargell, Fran Tarkenton, and number three, Bud Grant, maybe? I grew up a Vikings fan. I don't run from that anymore. I own that now. I still am objective, and if anything, I'm harder on the Vikings than I am on any other team because they've ripped my heart out and stomped on it so many times over the years, although I do care far less now, far, far less now than I used to. So... Yeah, I would go Willie Stargell, Fran Target, and Bud Grant. Yeah. But I, I'm, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Mario Lemieux may have a, have a, have a, a claim there. That was a special couple of years in Pittsburgh when they won their first two cups. And I know it's not football. I, I guess all three of mine should be football. If it was football only... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's one that takes real thought. Because I, I, I don't carry around like this. This is my favorite player of all time. I, I don't. I just, you know, the sport is the sport. And I don't do a whole lot of looking backward. It's always who's playing now and who's, you know, who's making an impact now and what's making the game interesting now. It's all it's about now. It's about being in the moment. Like I said earlier, be in the moment. The great Corn Florio in the past 10 years, what was your most exciting and memorable moment? Was it Brett Favre joining the Vikings? I think that 2009 season 
was was exciting. And the moment that he threw the pass against the 49ers to win the game, and I think it was Greg Lewis that caught it at the back of the end zone, that was the moment that I knew that was going to be a special year. Up until the point where he threw the pass across his body that Tracy Porter picked off after they had 12 guys in the huddle during the game where there was an illegal bounty on Brett Favre the whole the whole time. But the bounties are part of football and they always have been. So, it, 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 yeah. 2009 was a was a pretty crazy year. All right, I gotta wrap this up. Dean Osborne, 42. Does the NFL suffer by the NBA and the MLB bringing games over here to London? By that I mean some folk might only be able to attend one event and might not choose the NFL. That's no different than having multiple sports leagues in a market. And and that's why you know they act like they support each other. I say baloney to that. The local football team acts like it supports the baseball team. The baseball team acts like it supports the hockey team. The hockey team acts like it supports everybody. They're all competing for the same dollars and eyeballs. And if one is really good and the other ones aren't, that's the one that's going to get the ticket sales, the jerseys, the attention, et cetera. They're competing. That's why the NFL for years wouldn't allow cross-ownership in the same market. There's competition there. Now, the and uh, the Major League Baseball decision to send the Yankees and the Red Sox to England that puts pressure on some of these NFL teams that have been reluctant to give up home games. I think it's time for the NFL to put a special game in England. I think this Red Sox-Yankees thing throws the gauntlet down to the NFL. And teams that haven't been there yet, the Packers haven't been there yet. I think a big-time game needs to go to England. I don't think it'll happen, but if you really want to cultivate that market, you need to give them a special game, like the the Rams-Chiefs game that almost went to Mexico. All right, what else do we have? Mike likes dirt. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you were 30 man that is just too deep for a monday afternoon when i'm supposed to be on vacation what do i know now that i wish i knew when i was 30 that oj simpson is guilty as sin because at 30 i wasn't sure because i turned 30 during all that stuff that's the easy answer i i i, I don't know I don't know. Because I accept the fact when you're 30, there are pros and cons. And when you're older, there are pros and cons. And there's wisdom that comes with being older. And, you know, here's the thing. If I could go back, like, uh, what, the, the, the Back to the Future 2 and, and tell my 30-year-old 30 30 self some stuff that would help, I'm not sure that I would listen. Because part of it is how your body is constructed, how your hormones are operating, how your brain is still not fully developed. Although around 30, it gets there. I, I, don't we resent having older people tell us what to do? Don't we? Even if it was an older version of ourselves, wouldn't our reaction be, get the hell out of here, you don't know what you're talking about? You can call me Dick. Could Macy beat Marquise Goodwin in a 40-yard dash? I think Macy would have a chance. I Listen, Ma- Macy can haul ass when she chooses to. I It used to be I could run around the yard with her. Now I got no chance. I get three steps and she's on me. And I'll take those three or four steps and I'll stop and she slams into the back of my legs. And once a day she slips into this mode where she just wants a fight. And I think it's a way for her to let out some energy. But she goes up on her two hind legs and she starts barking at me. And I I try to fend her off. And she does that, that nasty snarling bark. And she never bites me. She'll do like the soft bite. I mean, she knows it's not real. But she she lets out a lot of energy. And every once in a while, I'm thinking, is this the day that she, like, decides that I'm just going to go ahead and follow through on my my instincts, descended from a wolf, and just tear this bastard up? 
All right, on that happy note, I'll go out and play with the dog and see if this is the day she decides to tear this bastard up. I, I, uh, so much for vacation is all I have to say. We'll do more of these this week. I want to give you fresh content at the PFT Live podcast portal, the PFT PM podcast portal. And uh, uh, we'll, 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 I'm going to try the format that was suggested by Josh Randall earlier. The uh, I'll answer the questions first, and then I'll hold a few topics back if the questions don't address it. Let's try that tomorrow. How about that? Um, thanks again for your ongoing support. Thanks again to NBC for 10 great years. Here's to 10 or 20 or who knows how many more. We'll just see how it goes. We'll take it a day at a time. Enjoy the moments. That's all you can do with your life. You never know when it's going to end. You never know where it's going to take you. Just enjoy the moments. Get them, Be in the moment. Get, get out of your phone and be in the moment. I say that as I check my phone to see if I missed any text messages. Everybody have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.